You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, I'm Brett. And I'm Steven. And we are the The Broadway Broadway Husbands. Husbands. We're just your all-American married couple making their living in the arts and pursuing a growing family. On the Broadway Husbands podcast, we offer advice from our ordinary lives under extraordinary circumstances. We are living proof that you can love who you love and love what you do. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss our weekly episodes. And if you really love us, make sure you leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at Broadway Husbands. Members of our Patreon get exclusive access to behind-the-scenes videos, blogs, and other perks, including free apparel and so much more. To become part of our Patreon family, go to patreon.com forward slash Broadway Husbands. Well, we're going to get kind of personal today. Yeah. We're going to, um, you know, we've been on our journey of trying to um, have a baby for the past, I mean, the journey started when, like December, November of 2017, it is now, where are we in time, June of 2021, and, um, you know, there have been so many um, obstacles um, that we've (laughs) Um, had to kind of push through um, whether it's life or it has something directly to do with the surrogacy or if it has something to do with the pandemic you know I mean there's I mean the list goes on and on and on and on Um, but you know we um, we finally had our first embryo transfer which we did a video about for gays with kids Mm -hmm. and we talked about the transfer but what we didn't talk about is the fact that that it didn't take. Um, so, so the, the transfer happened in February at the beginning of February, and uh, I guess like two weeks later, maybe ten days later, um, we found out that um, our surrogate had tested positive for pregnancy. Uh, and then at the next blood work, um, I think they were hoping to hear a heartbeat the next. They were. Right. Um, and it was literally like maybe the next week. And um, and they didn't hear a heartbeat, but the numbers had all gone up. So they. Um, so they were like, this is looking good. Yeah. They were like, it's looking good. Um, and then they scheduled another um, sonogram. Um, or ultrasound. Is it ultrasound? It's an ultrasound. Yeah, it is. I'm like, it is an ultrasound sonogram. Um, and then, so this would be the next time, and this was probably like, 
another week later or so. Um, and, and they were hoping for the heartbeat again. And, and we, you know, we were there with her virtually. Um, and there was a heartbeat. Um, however, it was really slow. Um, I think it was like 51 beats per minute and they needed it to be like, was it 120? I, I mean, like, I think they, it was like half. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was half of what it should have been. Um, and after that visit, it was really hard because like that visit when they were like, oh, it's, we're going to have to do another ultrasound. And she went back a week later they did the ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And there was no heartbeat. But, and she immediately cried like she she immediately on the phone with us just started crying and i felt horrible but i didn't feel i felt horrible for her but i didn't wasn't really feeling any feelings myself like you know what i mean until i don't know one or two days later it kind of hit me so that's interesting because i my all most a lot of my feelings happened um the day that we heard the slow heartbeat um i oh yeah you were really upset that's right yeah i was really upset i i think we did it because her appointments are generally really early in the morning so i think we did it early in the morning and then i had to go right to work afterwards <clears throat> and so i was like just like spinning you know that's right and i was and then I, I, on that day is the day that I teach for like a very long period of time. And so I was kind of a disaster. Um, you know, I'm like teaching and trying to stay focused, but like my brain was like thinking about that. And like, um, I had a couple of times during the day where I was by myself and just cried. Um, and in the middle of all of this, we were, we were closing on our house. Yeah. And we had, the movers had picked up our stuff in New York and were going to randomly call us and tell us when they were bringing our stuff here. And we hadn't closed on the house yet. And we weren't sure if like we were going to have to figure out where to put our stuff. I mean, it was like there was so much stress happening. And then this miscarriage happened. And I don't even know that I I thought, you know, I've always heard you know, female friends talk about their miscarriages and how hard they were for them. And I, I guess because it's, you know, it's not our bodies or something. I didn't realize that that's what was happening. And then I, I, it, then emotionally, I just felt such a sense of like loss and uh, grief. And I mean, we were grieving and I think it was all happening at the same time as all these stressful situations. And, and I guess what I really wanted to do was be able to talk about how, like, you know, there's like this shame or something around miscarriages. I, you know, people don't want to talk about it. We didn't want to talk about it because, no. um, but it's, but even with us as two men, you know, that loss was like really real and really sad, you yeah. know, because we've wanted to do this for so long and it's been such hard work and such an investment of time and money and I, and it also it, it's interesting too like that was like the day that I was like kind of spinning right and then and then I think I held my breath until the next appointment and then you know when we didn't hear the heartbeat of course it was super obviously de devastating but um I feel like I'd already kind of tried to like prepare myself for you know 
I don't know. I just, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and then I, and then I think it was like, I feel like that was a Thursday. For some reason, I feel like it was a Thursday. I don't know why, but I feel like the both, both of us had this moment like a day or two later where I don't remember what was happening, but we both kind of just like started like crying and hugging. And do you remember that? Yeah, I remember the that. Kitchen, I, remember the apartment. I don't remember what happened, but something, <laughs> something happened. And I just, I think he had kind of like lost it a little bit. And I, I think, I think I was just like, I think, I don't remember. I wish I could remember specifically what happened, but we just both kind of lost it and both started crying and we hugged each other. And, and I feel like that was the moment where we kind of um, grieved it together and accepted like kind of what had actually happened and how, how devastating it was. And um, I, I felt like I had, I was holding my breath for like two and a half weeks through all of those appointments. And then I finally just like, you know, let go a little bit. And um, it's such um, that I think that so much of it was like sort of tied into like, we were getting this house, right? And we made this decision to not go back to New York. And we made this decision to, you know, commit to Steven's job and for me to build my own coaching practice and stay in this in Texas and then and and it was really all with the the idea of like having this baby. And so then she doesn't get pregnant and then we're sort of questioning everything, right? We're questioning mm -hmm. all of these decisions and why are we doing this and is this going to happen? Mm -hmm. And you sort of like left with so many questions and you're like making these decisions we're moving into this house and we have this bedroom that's going to be the baby's yeah, room yeah. And, and we know like you know you know it's going to happen eventually it's like not on our terms but clearly um it still doesn't stop you from feeling like well the plans and all these decisions and all these things are so uncertain yeah and um and why are we doing them you know and mm -hmm. so you just kind of grieve the grief is like all of those things and then I think that, I, I mean, I can speak for my own self that like, I don't know that I felt like any of the people in my life, like my parents and my, my immediate family even understood that like for us as a gay couple, a miscarriage still counts. <laughs> like it still counts just because it's not our body. It, you know, we're, we, our hopes and our expectations and, and our surrogate, who's like somebody we love and care about, mm -hmm. are, we're going through this together. And I just felt like it was all very like, oh, it'll happen. It'll happen. It's like, no, this is like a real true grieving process yeah. that you have to go through. Yeah. Really and we finally like come out the other yeah, side had, of it. Yeah. It took a, um, it but took we a had while. to like, she had to get what they call a procedure called a DNC which, um, you know, they were hoping her body would pass the pregnancy on its own, Naturally, yeah. but it didn't. Mm -hmm. And about three weeks of her just still being pregnant with yeah. no heartbeat, mm -hmm. which is horrible. Right. We finally were able to schedule what they call a DNC, which mm -hmm. is basically where they go in and sc scrape out the uterus and, mm -hmm. cl and clean it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and of course, none of that's covered by insurance. So then we had to pay for that. And, you know, th those are the things you're just like, uh, um, well, yeah, and you're going through this process. It was also like, like uh, talk about like things being out of your hands. Like 
like we couldn't help, you know, obviously what happened, but then it's also really frustrating because, you know, we live one place, our surrogate lives another place, our clinic clinic is in a completely other place. And so there's a lot of um, back and forth and there's only so much calling and emailing that you can do um, before people actually I don't want to say do what they're supposed to do, but like before like um, appointments can be made and, you know, all of those things. So there's a lot of back and forth between multiple parties and it can be very uh, frustrating and it feels sometimes like um, maybe people aren't doing their jobs. And I, I think that they are, but, you know, individually you just feel like kind of helpless in the situation because you can't help your, your surrogate. You can't help her um, get as quickly, you know, the treatment that she needs as quickly as you'd like. And so it's super frustrating. Um, but luckily everything, you know, she's we, doing great. She's doing fantastic. And we are now expecting to do another transfer. Yeah. In soon. We're not going to say when we're just going to say soon, <laughs> soon, another transfer, which will hopefully soon. be the only other transfer we have to do. Um, but it's been, it's been quite a feat and we're gonna have to do exactly what we did last time, but this time maybe it'll be less hectic because the virus isn't quite as bad and, and we're all vaccinated and there isn't like that whole, um, that element scare, mm -hmm. that scary part of flying and going places and seeing people that you don't normally see and all of those things. And, um, cause that was stressful or is stressful still, but, um, you know. Yeah, we're so we're super excited, but the grieving process was like it was definitely it overtook me. It took me a long time to finally feel like I snapped out of it, you know, and had energy again. Um yeah, but we're so looking forward to moving forward and and getting our baby and making our family. I mean, <laughs> It's been. Crazy. I think somebody said to us, "God, this child is going to be so loved." I'm like, "Well, one thing is for sure: we are ready. We are so ready. We have a house. We have a room for that for them. And um, no matter if we're here or not, I mean, who knows if we'll actually be here? Right. Or not. But you know, but um, either way, we're so ready, and we're so ready to um, just have our family. You know. So we thought we would share with you that this is just. I know this is a normal part of the process, but it happened to us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know. It doesn't always happen to everybody. And, um, but it's a normal part of trying. And we, yeah. we feel like we need to be able to talk about it so that people know, like, this is something that is potentially, could potentially happen. And, and to be, like, totally honest, too, you know, right now it's June and this all happens, like, over two months ago now um and we've kind of gone back and forth about talking about it openly and i've always just been no we're not ready no 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 and i think now that we're in a better place where we feel um much better and um, have moved on and moved forward that um that i think it's good to talk about it but i think in the time in that time period i just for me personally i don't i just wasn't ready. Yeah, well, we needed to process it. Yeah, I wasn't ready. Yeah. 
I tend to process things out loud anyway, so it helps I don't. me, but he doesn't. I don't. I do not. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in therapy a little bit. I mean, yes, in therapy a lot. But, like, you know, not out in public for sure. Um, but, you know, I hope that us talking about it is helpful for for you and for anyone that um, may have gone through something similar or, you know, knows somebody. Um, and just know that it, it's, you know... There's a lot of obstacles. I mean, you know, and, and it's also funny, like, I always think about like, wow, there's this, you know, th there's this much like roller coastering happening and like, we don't even have our child yet. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, do we have a kid? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's been, it's been, it's been nuts because also we're getting a lot of people asking questions about us going back to New York and Broadway and, you know, Broadway's coming back and we're, we're not planning on going back anytime soon. I mean, unless we get work yeah. and it's like, but things are good here. So why shift it? Why change it? And there's also some great theater here in Houston. So we're going to try to be a part of that and, see what happens but you know you feel a lot of pressure you feel a lot of pressure when you when when all these things are happening and now let's move on to a segment we call spotlight, spotlight on love. love all right so we have a question from an anonymous um person it's it's actually it's a woman and do you want to read it sure i'll read it yeah i've been seeing a guy for three months now and it's been going well He's divorced with two kids, and while I know they are his priority, I don't hear from him for days, and then I start to feel like I'm not on top of his list. I'm afraid to say something because I don't want to come off as needy. How do I have a conversation with him about being a priority without coming off as needy? Huh. Well, so I'll go first because I feel like my answer is not going to be as good as yours. <laughs> oh, please. I doubt that. <laughs> so... I think that if it's been going well, right, and clearly, you know, you understand and respect the fact that he has a life, he has had a previous marriage, and he has kids, and he has to, you know, um, obviously take care of them and be there for them. Um, I think if you call, call him or meet him in person and obviously just start up a conversation and just say, hey, like, 
I understand you have all these things and I understand that they're a priority. But with the way things are going and the fact that they're going so well, I I want you to be a priority to me and I would like to be a part of that list. I don't need to be the top of the list, but I would like to be in on the list. So if you feel this way, um, you know, you need to include me. And, and if you want this to go further, then that needs to happen. And if not, then this needs to probably end because you know what I mean? Right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like you need to just be up front. I think the challenge with some, I mean, I don't, I mean, I know, I know this person, so I know they're like where they're at in their life and their dating history a little bit. So that's why we're keeping them anonymous. Um, and so I think some people, depending on your priorities, like if you really want to have a family, let's say, or you really had some terrible dating situations, we can put so many of our like eggs in this one basket when we start seeing somebody new, especially if it really is going well. And that can really hold, like make us feel like you have to try to make this one work. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's important that you remember that the universe is abundant that God has like, there's plenty of people out there. There's someone, you know, this isn't the person it's okay. It's like, it's like negotiating on a job, right? Right. It's like walking away is the best way to being willing to walk away is the best way to like negotiate. And so I think just being okay by saying, by don't worry about if you sound needy, like that's not the concern. What you should be concerned about is being able to fully express what you want and ask for what you want from a place of authenticity. And it's not necessarily based out of fear from your history or based out of fear of the future, but it's really based on like, Hey, you know, if this is, if we can't have it this way right now in this moment, then I don't know that this can work and you need to be okay with that. Yeah, and I think that if you are really clear with what you want, then when you when you say that and you come off as confident and clear, I don't think that could sound needy. And if it does sound needy to them, then you know, then you need to move on. You know what I mean? Then it's just totally. it's not it's not meant to be. And there are other fish in the sea. Yeah, but don't don't wait to have the conversation because the longer you wait the more you're going to like create the fake, the, your version of the conversation in your head and the version of the conversation in your head is always going to be worse than the actual conversation. Right. You know? So like the sooner you have the conversation and get it over with the better. And if this guy really likes you, then he's going to hear you and he's going to listen to you and he's going to say like, Oh my gosh, you're right. I'm not doing this. Or he's going to say like, well, this is what needs this to happen. is what's yeah. happening with my kids. And I'm unfortunately not able to do more than this at this time. And that's mm. something that's good information to have. Yeah. And I think it's, it's it's also important to remember that no matter what age we are, that texting is not the way to have a conversation <laughs> like this. Right. It has to be in person or at least on the phone or FaceTime or whatever. You know what I mean? You have to have like a real human interaction and not something that's written. I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think that that's what they're saying, but just in general, as a rule, I think we just need to all be reminded of that because sometimes there's still a lot of texting that happens. I mean, you know, I just call, 
yeah. meet up, see the person in person. Have a conversation face to face as much as you can. Yeah. Love that. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck. Let us know how that's going. Um, and if you want us to answer your questions, make sure you shoot us a DM, a DM on Instagram or shoot us an email at broadwayhusbands.com. And we are happy to answer your question on our next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Broadway Husbands podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And while you're at it, leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. Don't forget to check out Broadway Life Apparel and our new designs that are released every month. Thanks to our Patreon patrons. Don't forget to join our family by going to patreon.com forward slash Broadway Husbands. And a big shout out to the Broadway Podcast Network. Go to BPN dot fm forward slash husbands to check out the, the wide array of broadway themed podcasts for your listening pleasure and on this podcast we encourage you to love who you love and love what you do hey it's leslie Odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds if you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Gapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.